Hello and welcome to the Spiraling Higher podcast hosted by me, Sam, Mindset and Manifestation Coach. And me, Gina, your Biz and Mindset Coach. We're here to support you on your spiritual journey by bringing you intimate and raw conversations about healing, manifestation, consciousness, and spirituality. We hope this podcast makes you feel less alone as you become aware of your patterns and limiting beliefs to uplevel your life, manifest like a boss, and together, spiral higher. Oh, my spiralers, how we have missed you. We are so excited that today we are going to be recording all of our 2023 realizations and integrations as hosts of this podcast, as souls walking this earth, leading our mission, being a best friend to each other. I'm I'm just so excited. We have so much to say. We have so much to say, so much to reflect on. It's wild to think that it has been a year it's been a year. We literally just did our Spotify wrapped together <laughs> over Zoom because I'm in Thailand <laughs> right now. And the most shocking thing was seeing that we had 78% of new listeners. Mm-hmm. And so we're just soaking in all of the gratitude because we can't believe that we get to be a resource for you on your spiritual journey. We cannot believe that Every single day, we get direct messages of you saying that this episode changed your life. This was a mm-hmm. paradigm shift. This has been the most grounding, just inspiring pieces of content. Thank you so much. And when we first started, we really thought it was just going to be us and my dad listening to this <laughs> podcast. Truly, truly. Yeah, just ourselves, your dad, maybe a couple of friends would listen to a couple episodes here and there. But I think that's really what the best part is. There was no expectations other than let's be ourselves and have fun and create some memories and just share our truth. And we ultimately wanted to create resources for ourselves to go back and listen to as well, um, Mm -hmm. which we have. You've definitely sent me some of our episodes before. (laughs) And (laughs) it really is, I mean, we always say this, it feels surreal, but normal at the same time. And I think Mm. just really what can encapsulate is just so much gratitude for each and every one of you for being here, for listening in, for sharing with us about your journey. Um, I've been getting into some pretty deep conversations with our spiralers in DMs just from everybody sharing um, that we were in their Mm -hmm. top five or top podcast ever. Um, Oh my gosh. We were a top podcast for almost 5,000 human beings. 5,000 human beings were like, I want to listen to this one the most. (laughs) And so if that is you, oh my God, we love you so much. And Mm. it's so incredible knowing how many people are actually on our frequency. You know what I mean? Not that it's a competition like, oh, get on my frequency or get off or something like that. But you can only be listening and integrating this content if you are sharing the same frequency. And Mm -hmm. so it just feels so good to know that there are people out there who understand what we're talking about, who are moving through the same things that we are moving through mm-hmm. and are honestly raising their consciousness because I feel like that is what we are all here to do on the planet so that we can create a more harmonious world. We can choose consciously how we choose to interact in this rapidly changing environment. Mm-hmm. And how can we do that without consciousness and community? And we feel, wow, just floored, honored to be hosts of this platform and this community because it has really 
pushed us to, and push sounds aggressive, but it's really pushed us to let go of so much fear. And Mm. that I truly believe is the hallmark of a rise in consciousness is that you do things with love instead of doing them from fear. Mm. And so I'm just, I'm so proud of the community that, the community that we've been able to surround ourselves with. And so the best part has been seeing and hearing from people who have overcome some fears or switched from living in scarcity and lack Mm -hmm. and doubt and leading themselves through um, their own work and obviously listen to our podcast to a space where they're leading with, like you said, love and inspiration and just seeing people go from a life that they didn't feel like was theirs to a life that's fully them. And I think that's Mm -hmm. been really beautiful to witness in people. And honestly, our community pops off. I don't know. It's amazing. Some of the responses people are leaving, they'll like write full on essays to support each other. And even that community, we just wanted to have a space for all the spiralers to get together. And even just witnessing the relationships and the support that shows up there is so, is so so beautiful. Incredible. It's amazing how many people message us about us actually canceling the November community call. I know. Because we host these free community calls every month. And they're literally my favorite thing ever. And Gina and I could not figure out like a weekend day where the time zones work out. So we were like, okay, it's fine. We'll just post the replay from last month. We'll cancel November. No one will notice. (laughs) Actually, a lot of people noticed. They were like, what's happening? When's the November call? How do I make sure I'm added to the group? And I was like, I'm so sorry. We have to actually cancel it. But I just realized we can schedule a December call if you're up for it because I'll be back. Oh, yeah. I'll be back on the 15th in EST. So we'll we'll have to have a look-see. Yeah, we'll have to have a look. I think we might be away, but I don't know what the last Sunday is. But yes, it'll either be December or it'll be January at the very latest. Um, But we will, we promise to be back. And I mean, those calls have been such a great little unexpected bonus for us because Mm -hmm. truly, you know, this part is obviously amazing. Getting to talk to you, getting to talk to to the guests. But I think the best part for both of us is getting to talk to other people about the things that we're talking about. It's the best part. That's actually why we started this because although, yes, we wanted to create resources and memories for ourselves, which is a beautiful thing, we ultimately wanted to open up the dialogue with other people who were healing, Mm -hmm. right? It was never about just me and you because, I mean, frankly, we were already having these conversations (laughs) off camera. (laughs) Yeah, so, and they were super healing, which is why we thought, oh, I wonder if other people would benefit from this. And just to see the response has been, the most gratifying and humbling thing. I mean, Ram Dass said, we really are just walking each other home and that's Mm. how I feel. I don't feel that I am more equipped to be on this journey than anyone else. I'm just a Mm -hmm. regular human being who happens to be able to articulate the things that she moves through. Mm -hmm. But to see so many people mirrored in my reality saying, I'm going through this too. This helped me too. It's just that's the greatest gift. It has. It will never have anything to do with what I get, but just what other people are receiving from it. Mm-hmm. And I think the coolest part too has been how many people, even in my own circle, have stumbled upon the podcast. And I've learned so much about people that I thought I knew. Like I didn't know that mm-hmm. they were into this kind of stuff. I mean, a lot of people just we've been friends with for a while and then they come around and you know they're just loving the episodes, especially the money episode. Episode 25 was our top one. Of, of 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 the of this year, which is no surprise, but even that has unlocked a door of communication with people that 
we just never would have been able to do. And I kind of just love that we get to go so deep with everybody that listens in because like you said, we know that everyone's on that frequency of openness and vulnerability and willingness to really see themselves and see us. And we're so mm-hmm. damn lucky. We really are. I know. And so I've, ugh, every single time a spiral or messages me, I just know I can go there because exactly. they're already there. Yes. Right? And I have, a, I have a one-on-one client right now who's actually just completing her journey next week. And it's so funny. She was like, Sam, your, your job description is wrong. You're actually, um, you actually support people through dramatic spiritual awakenings. And I was like, that's <laughs> true, but that's not as, that's not as sexy to market. Yeah. <laughs> but it was so funny because she was saying like, you catfish me. Um, but lovingly, obviously, because she's gotten so much more than what she expected. Yeah. But she was actually asking me like, how do I, how do I know that I can talk about this with other people? Because I've realized that if I just like tell everyone what I've realized that everyone's just going to think I'm crazy. And I said, yeah, that's true. You need to be careful about who you go spewing off all of this self-realized knowledge to. But trust me, you will attract your community because the energy just doesn't lie. And you know what she sent to me yesterday? She said, oh my gosh, my vibe is starting to attract my tribe. I literally just met someone who is extremely like-minded, who talks about all of these things. And I can't believe it, but I realized I had to wait until now because I wouldn't have understood what she was talking about before. Mm. And I was like, exactly. Like you have to be on the same frequency, just like that radio station being tuned to Mm -hmm. to actually hear each other. And so something that Gina and I have realized this year, I'll just go ahead and share my first lesson, which is something that I think I knew intellectually, obviously, but I really understand on a somatic level. Like nothing can really shake this sense of knowing, but it's that perception is projection, Mm. right? Like how someone is perceiving you has everything to do with how they are perceiving themselves and what their internal world looks like. Mm. And so if someone is, let's say they're saying negative things about you, right? that actually really has nothing to do with you, right? It will always be a projection of their own insecurities, whatever they haven't looked at within themselves. And also the same too, when they see you positively, that's them seeing positivity in themselves and you are simply mirroring and reflecting that. Mm. And so I don't even really take people's perceptions too heavily. Even if they're really positive, like we're talking about with the podcast, I don't want that to come in too deeply and inflate my ego either, right? Mm-hmm. The only perception that matters so deeply to my core is mine. What do yep. I think about me? What do I think about me and Gina creating this podcast? What are my intentions for this? And that doesn't mean I don't care about other people. It's just that I understand that other people's opinions, they're just opinions. Mm-hmm. And they're also and, laced and based on what their experience and their past and, and their interpretation of things. And one of the things we talked about heavily throughout the season was about the manual and how everybody mm-hmm. has a different manual. And that was huge for me because you can really see how easily one sentence can be distorted. One word can be distorted. Even saying I'm thankful could be distorted. You know, truly it can. It's like, what, are you being sarcastic? You're being sarcastic? Totally. Thankful for what? Like, exactly. And (gasps) it's so, I think it was so enlightening for me this year because I think it really catalyzed me to start seeing like what is my manual and prioritizing my own manual and my interpretation of things and letting other people have theirs. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Letting multiple realities exist is huge. And yes. allowing more than one truth to exist is massive because for as long as you need everything outside of you to bend to your truth, I mean, 
you're just fighting with life. You're you're fighting with the isness of everything. You're fighting with what actually life loves to be, which is different. I feel mm-hmm. like life loves dyna- dynamic nature, right? Everything is moving. There's so much variety. That's why we all look so different. It's why we sound so different. And so mm. to think that everyone needs to see the world the way that I do is pretty big expenditure of energy. But also what it allows me to root into is the appreciation for my worldview and how it's constantly changing, right? I don't think anyone else needs to have it. I can actually just enjoy what I'm seeing. And I love playing around with what I'm seeing. And that's really the work of manifestation, right? It's like, how can you change your beliefs to change the way you see yourself or your situation in order to actually alchemize and change that in your physical reality? That's so powerful. I love that. And so I love when I'm able to attract people into my community who can share similar views or people whose views are open and willing to being changed. But if people are not open and willing to having that views, their their views change, then don't fight the bull. Mm. A waste of time. Yeah, you're kind of missing. You're missing it. You're missing life. You're, you're missing, missing what life. it's all about. Yeah. Oh um, my gosh. That reminds me. I have to tell you a little bit about this conversation I had yesterday with this incredible woman and her partner. But um, one of the things she said to me was, if you allow something to stop the forward momentum of your life, you need to get really curious about that. Yes. Which obviously I know. That's the inner yes. work. That's shadow work. That's being triggered. But it's so interesting the way she put it because she was just like, your time is limited. So anytime something stops you from moving in the flow, from moving with momentum, takes your time, you need to look at that. Like, mm-hmm. Why is that disturbing you? How can you let that go? And some re- for some reason, this perspective just really reminded me that there's really nothing that should allow me to stop my momentum mm. and my mission and my purpose. And by the way, she was um, a beautiful mirror for all the things that I've always wanted to manifest. She's literally a yoga teacher who owns the healthy conscious restaurant next door and the residences in the back. And her and her husband host Salsa Fridays and like community gatherings. And they're Mm. just, and they host these um, conspiracy talks where they encourage people to speak openly but respectfully about things that people consider conspiratorial. Mm. And they have this whole code of conduct about, you know, watch your ego, you know, manage the manner with which you deliver things, respect other people's views, allow two things to be true at once. All of these things that I've come to know. And I just thought, oh my God, you guys are living a life reflective of what I value and care about. And I, I don't know, I just hadn't seen people living so consciously and beautifully in a while. And, you know, they left the quote unquote modern world, the first world to build this life over here. And one of the things that she said to me after yoga class was, and it was actually a private class, which was so divine, like no one else showed up. It was, it was literally just me. So we got to talk for three hours, but she said, you know, the first world thinks that they're so ahead, they're so advanced, but why are so many first world bodies coming to this third world country to heal? Mm, So true. And I was like, that's a freaking mic drop because she's someone who is nursing back these bodies of like the industrial revolution back to health by finding balance again, by regulating the nervous system. So anyways, that was a beautiful synchronistic conversation. And do you remember my word for 2023? No, I remember your word. Oh my God. I I feel like you you got me a journal. But I thought that was 2022. That's what I was going to say. Was it? Wasn't that? Yeah, I think that that was last year I got it for you. That's why I was like, I know that one. Um, that was more than a year ago? Yeah. Okay, that's nuts because I thought it was this year. <laughs> but <laughs> she, but throughout the conversation, she kept saying it really is about equanimity. 
She just kept mm. saying that. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh my God, that was my word. But I guess it was the last year word. But anyways, full circle, synchronicity wow. so beautiful. Equanimity. I love that. I feel like you've been having a lot of synchronistic conversations in your travels. And I mean, I guess I have been too. I mean, I haven't traveled anywhere, but just in terms of life is just always reflecting things back, which was one of our episode titles of the season, which is um, the universe doesn't test you, it reflects you. And I feel like that has been so true for us. And I feel what I'm grateful for in our journey is that we are ready to look at what is reflecting back, you know? And I think- Yes, we want to. I'm yes. like, show me that shit. Like, <laughs> let me see what's underneath there because yes. now when I'm triggered, I'm like, oh, here we go. Like, here Let's is see. something that I wasn't seeing before. And so what I tell all my clients about feeling difficult emotions, because obviously no one wants to feel those. They're like, help me understand how I cannot feel these anymore is what their initial goal is in coaching. And then afterwards, it's more like, oh, help me see and understand and seek medicine and wisdom from this emotion better so that I can become a more evolved version of myself. But every time I feel an emotion now, I'm like, this literally somatically tells me that I don't see something. Otherwise, why would I feel this way? Right? My body, my soul has to get my attention through that energy to be like, look over here. And something that you said this year, which was so powerful, is pain causes you to look where you would never look. Like a light. It's it's lighting something. It's a lighthouse. It's showing you, hey, look over here. And so when we see it that way, we can see it as such a loving message versus something we need to run away from. And I feel like you and I know we've done our work when one of our uh, ladies inside of our Unlayered Self uh, Mastermind, she left me a voice note and said um, that she's finally at a point where she is actually looking forward to the next time she feels this uncomfortable emotion. And I was like, yes. That's how you know you've begun to alchemize the shadow because you see the fruitful fruitful nature of looking into the darkness. And because the darkness really isn't the darkness. It's really just your unawareness, Mm. right? It's literally- That's waiting for the light. It's waiting for the light, right? There's no awareness. There's no light on there, right? So when mm-hmm. you see a literal shadow, it's not a real thing. It just is appearing to be this object because there's no light shining onto it. As soon as the light shines onto it, there is no shadow, right? And mm. so you begin to see that anything that feels shadowy and dark wants you to look there so that it yes. can disappear, dissolve, transform, shift, alchemize. It's like, so now I I think the reason why people don't want to look there is because they're like, oh, but if I look, I'm going to find something dark, scary, bad, shameful. And it's like, no, the dark, scary, bad, shameful thing only exists because you won't look, right? Because shame actually wants to be seen. And that's why I think our container is so healing for people because everything you'd never wanted to share before, we're kind of creating a space where you have to share that. Like... It, yes. It's not going to be yeah. forceful, obviously, but the container is literally the soft, just fertile soil and mattress bed of feathers for you to fall into every time you feel so negative and every time you have fallen into a cycle of judgment, that's where you show up. And so it's no surprise to me that every single person we've been working with over the past three months has just literally moved through so much and released so much because they've been willing to actually look at it and share and let it be seen by other people. Because once you're courageous Mm. enough to do that, you realize this thing has no power over you. Because you're like, Mm -hmm. I'm okay with it. Mm -hmm. And guess what? Even other people are okay with it, right? Because they show up with the thing that they think is so bad, so terrible, the thing that they've been judging themselves for maybe even years. And we're like, okay, 
that's okay. You're okay. Yeah. And we love you. Or they're saying like, me too. Yeah. Me too. Me too. Yeah. That's been a huge part, I think for sure. And even for you and I, I mean, it's been so healing to hear all of their stories and we've been able to share ours as well. And yeah, I think the shame piece has been coming up a lot with our with our people and even with actually my one of my one-on-one clients that's been a really really big theme and um I think one of the biggest lessons for myself on shame as well is that shame really does a good job of hiding what's underneath mm-hmm. it. And in our container it's really been how can we lovingly allow you to look at what's underneath and see that what's underneath is actually a really either beautiful intention to protect you, or it's actually not something that you even really need to be ashamed of. Um, And what drives shame is, again, like the perception that it's shameful in the first place. And so I think it's been so beautiful for us to turn the lights on. And I think the biggest thing has been creating a safe space. Um, And I think Obviously, as a somatic coach on my end, the biggest my job is always to create safety in their body. And I think it's so beautiful to see from day one till you know now three months in to see them finding that safety within themselves. Mm-hmm. And it's also been you and I finding a lot deeper safety within ourselves. I think that's been a huge learning curve for me this year. I mean, when I went through, so I went through all of our episodes and I just couldn't believe how many episodes we recorded this season. I actually didn't realize that like Lorianne was in this season. And um, there were just so many powerful episodes, but I know we talked to a few therapists and one of the, um, and Lorianne as well, who is like a nervous uh, system specialist. I think that was a really common theme was just how do we soothe our bodies? Because mm-hmm. of course we know now that your story, your narrative, their thoughts in your mind follow the state of your body. And so when we are in a chaotic state or we're upset or we're sad, we get to check in with our bodies and think what is going on in there that is informing the mind to be afraid or see this as a threat. And so that's been for sure one of my spiraling through lessons this year has been how can I keep on going back to my body and keep on including my body in the conversation? Um, and that's been a complete game changer because I can't stay in my story when I change my state. No, it doesn't even make sense anymore. It's kind of like, I saw this hilarious meme that was like, typed a really long text when I was angry. And then four minutes later was like, shit, I shouldn't have done that. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) Because you you can just see it so clearly. I mean, even think about just, if you're listening, just past episodes, not past episodes, sorry, past text message conversations you've had with anyone when you were angry, just go back (laughs) and read them now. Yeah. You're going to be like, what? Like, why was I saying this? It makes no sense. But your story only makes sense and whatever, you know, alibi you have for your defense. <laughs> it It's all just being created by that defensive, like fight or flight energy. And none of that's even necessary when you're not in that state anymore. And so, yeah, a really big theme this year for anyone who's maybe just tuning in now or looking for a refresher was definitely nervous system regulation. Because mm-hmm. I don't think people realize that you live in your body, right? <laughs> Which sounds so obvious, but Most people are living in their heads kind of floating above their body, not realizing Mm -hmm. that this body has actual immediate needs constantly. And I realized that what we need more of is energy, not time. So I keep telling my clients, maximize energy, not your time, which is a very difficult concept to understand because when we are in the paradigm of maximizing our time, guess what we do? We cut all the self-care things that actually give us energy. 
Because if time is the thing that's most important, well, then I can't sleep in, and then I can't take a nap, then I can't go for an outdoor walk, then I can't do something for my inner child, then I can't call a friend, then I can't go take a shower. It's like all these things that would actually refresh you and renew your energy, which is going to be the resource you use to do anything in your life. You deplete all of it because you're like, oh, I need to create the experience that I have more time. Now, what's so interesting is because you deplete your energy, everything actually takes more time. So you yes. literally create the experience of needing more time. You just prove yourself right. And then you yeah. keep yourself in this cycle over and over. And so one of the biggest things that Gina and I and our clients are now working towards is how do I maximize my energy? Fuck mm-hmm. time. It's not real anyways. Because if I have the most energy, I will make the most of the time that I have. That's yeah. the crazy thing is when I have the energy... I never think to myself, I need more time. I only think I need more time when I don't have energy. Yes. Oh my God, that's so true. That was huge. I was like, I don't need more time. Like this this thought that I needed like an hour or whatever is because I'm believing that I won't have enough like energy to get it done within that period of time. So I need more time to be able to do it. (laughs) And it's like, but if you have energy, you can do the thing that was taking you three hours, like 30 minutes. You don't. So now I prioritize how much time I put into me, which yeah. used to go against all of the beliefs in my current in, in my old paradigm, which said, "Oh, me time happens after I've done everything." Mm-hmm. I mean, that's I most kept, people. Yeah, and then I just kept creating the cycle of never having enough me time to do anything, which then of course leads to burnout. And so I think it was episode forty-one where we talked about detoxing from the hustle, which I think was also huge for the community because everyone was like, oh my God, like this is me. Like mm-hmm. I thought anxiety and rushing and being this like fast, like crazy overachiever with my personality, but actually I was just dysregulated AF. Like that was yes. not me. And it's really hard to break up with that nervous system state because you feel like you're losing you. You're well, like, it's an addiction. About- it's an addiction chemically, but also mentally. to the identity that you've attached yourself to. And so, yeah, I had to really soften into maybe that's not who I am. And that was pretty difficult for me because, I mean, I'm obviously an Asian woman and many of our listeners are too, but even if you're not, so many people identify with being the one who does it all. Like I remember, and you do, you too, Gina, I feel like that was what people always said to us. It's like, how do you do it? Like all the you're time. doing it all and you're doing it amazing. And that was like what I attached myself to doing it all. So the idea of not doing a lot or maybe even doing nothing, <laughs> that was definitely an ego death that happened this summer. And I needed it to become yeah. more of who I truly am. Yeah, that was a big ego death for me too. My healing of adrenaline addiction was a big one, a big, big, big one. And healing from the hustle and really uncovering why is that even there um, was a big one because I completely thought that that was part of my personality. I really, really did. I thought that that's just how I am. And it's so wild because I almost can't remember what life was like when I was in that state. You know, it's almost... (laughs) (laughs) It was was crazy. Kind of fun. Kind of fun. Just, just not sustainable at oh, all. Oh, I remember, but I can't even, I can't fathom that being the norm for me now. I maybe is oh, more what I yeah, mean, you know, yeah. where I'm like, I can't believe that's what I wanted to do. You know, I can't, like now I'm like. Yeah, because now we start going into it and it, it feels like we're allergic. It's like, ooh, yes. no, I'm not, no. Like nothing is worth the fight or flight. Like nothing. Because it feels so terrible. Yeah. I mean, unless you need it well, and you're actually are running away from something, but yeah, absolutely not. And I think it's just about n- prioritizing 
the nervous system and our peace. And I think that has been a big theme, even in our work for you and I, you know, our scheduling, when we record these podcasts, it's all in support of our energy, of our nervous system and of of what feels good to us. And I think that has been a constant reminder for us because there are some times where we just kind of want to go faster, faster, faster. And thank goodness we've both done this work because one of us will say, hey, wait, 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 wait. let's check in with our bodies and see like, I don't know if this feels good. And we're like, right, like, let's just hold off and we'll record, you know, next week or whatever, when it's better suited for both of us. So it's been, yeah, I think that's been a huge lesson. And of course, yeah, the energetic budget that you were talking about and prioritizing how do we replenish and create more energy instead of only doing activities that deplete it. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, seeing everything in terms of energy instead of time, like I said earlier, changes everything because- I think you and I realize like you just can't, you can't do anything. You can't show for the podcast. You can't show for your family. You can't do the things that you enjoy and love. You just can't do them without energy. And so, yeah, the energetic debt was, was huge. Yeah. And I think you can do them and maybe you can enjoy them, but like the level of enjoyment, even it's, it's almost like it feels like you're tasting food, but you had like, (laughs) I don't know, like a muted taste bud. And then you get to like actually taste with your full taste buds. And you're like, wait, this is what it was supposed to taste like. That's what life Mm. feels like. Kind of like, oh, like doing my business is supposed to feel loving, not like I want to die every day. It's literally like eating McDonald's in the car while you're driving versus like actually eating and savoring your food and enjoying the experience. Because if it was just about getting food down the fastest, then yeah, you would just get fast food every single time and Mm -hmm. eat it while you were driving. Mm -hmm. But that's not what food is necessarily always for. Like We also like to create the dining experience where it's like the ambiance and the conversations. And that's how I feel about business. If business was food, like I wouldn't want to be going to a fast food restaurant. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And um, I think that for us, it's truly sunk in in 2023 for sure. If it wasn't already last year, that success is feeling good, not doing good. 100%. And the biggest realization for me is doing good is not necessarily synonymous with feeling good. Absolutely not. Th- that was what we had to learn is like, oh, I'm doing really good. That was like 2021. Like, oh, I'm doing really good. But I'm not feeling really good. <laughs> well, even good, how was that defined, right? Good was defined not by how we felt, by but just how what we other did. people perceived us as good, right? Good was the measuring stick that everybody else was using. And so I was subscribing to that because it looked good on paper. And now we have a completely def- different definition of what good is. Um, one of our listeners, Giselle, um, she shared on her um, feed today just three of the questions that um, I had asked in that episode about, um, was it the abundance workshop maybe? It must have been that because I was talking about redefining success. And the three questions I ask myself are, do I love who I'm being? Do I love mm-hmm. who I'm doing it? Or who, do I love what I'm doing? And do I love who I'm doing it with? And that's the definition that's success. of success now. And even actually one of our um, coaching clients uh, was talking about like posting on social media. And she was talking about kind of a pattern she was noticing about how she was like, you know, whatever, only two people are going to like it anyway. And I said, though, that's the whole thing though. You have to throw out that scorecard and decide what is your scorecard for posting. Is it going to be do I, did I have fun doing this? Do I feel really excited to share this? Do I, she likes to post about DIY stuff. So like, did you like making it? It's like, that should be what's driving whether or not you post, not 
of course, how many likes you're going to get, but that is just how we're so conditioned, especially on social media. But I just love seeing everybody redefining what they're using to gauge their joy and their happiness and what feels good for them. And it truly just Mm -hmm. goes back to literally what feels good in their bodies. But I think you can't really know what feels good in your body until you first learn how to listen to your body. And I think that's another big thing for you and I this year was we learned how to hear our bodies and be in very clear communication, like having hunger signals, sleep and rest signals. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's been huge. Well, that's that's the crazy thing about humans is that we can get a signal from our body and literally ignore it. Yep. Right? Animals can't do that, mm-hmm. right? I mean, if they get the signal that they have to use the bathroom, they don't hold it. If they get the signal that they need to go to sleep, they don't walk around trying to keep their eyes open for another five hours. Like <laughs> They don't do that because they are literally in tune and at one with the body, right? Mm-hmm. They don't have a mind that they can kind of escape to. So I find it really interesting that humans are, you know, very sick, I would say in general. I think, I think we're the sickest we've ever been because of this, because we can literally get a painful signal from the body. Most of us are actually kind of half dissociated during the workday anyway, so we don't feel it. And even if we do feel it, we ignore it. It's like, mm-hmm. I remember feeling just that, you know, that grainy feeling behind your eyeballs mm-hmm. when you're just like really tired. I would just drink coffee. It's fine. I would I would literally just drink coffee and put on like an EDM playlist. I was insane. <laughs> I was insane. That's what I would do. I was doing that this year. I was doing that literally in January because in January, I was actually starting off the year strong with functional freeze. Remember that? Mm. And I was completely frozen. And I remember instead of, that was my body saying, stop, stop, please. Let me literally heal, recoup, do the divine thing that I'm designed to do. That's another thing, trusting the body to heal because I don't heal cuts. I don't put back together broken bones. Something Mm -hmm. else divine inside of me does that. But I wasn't listening to that. I thought that I had to heal myself, which actually reflects back a lot of the teachings in Kim Duramo's episode about self-healing chronic pain, which was a huge shift for me. But this earlier this year, I was in that state and I kept trying to do things to take me out of the state, which were putting me deeper into the state. <laughs> yes. Because what put me into that state was like overexcitation, right? Overstimulation, too much, right? If it's too much, the body's like, we have to shut down because the mm-hmm. body's always going to seek balance, right? It's, it's why like if you do drugs one day, like the next day you feel terrible because there has to be a balance in those chemicals. Yes. The same thing was happening. But instead of respecting that part of my journey and my body signals, I kept ignoring it and trying to basically excite myself out of it. And so burnout was kind of the theme of the beginning of my year. Like I was just Mm -hmm. kind of in and out of it constantly because I wasn't learning that as soon as I started to feel better, that was my opportunity to care for myself and regulate. I would just I would just hit the ground running. I was like, perfect. I don't feel like ass anymore. I'm just going to do the exact same thing that put me into it. And so what's funny is I've been talking with our clients inside of the mastermind and one of them particularly is kind of going through this. And we talked about how what put you into the state mm-hmm. is not what's going to take you out of the state. Yes. Which yes. is so funny because you get into the state because you're doing too much and then you try to do too much to get out. And it's the most counterintuitive thing, but the way is to literally do nothing to get out. It's like literally Chinese finger trap. You know those things yes. yeah, yeah, that you put yeah. your finger in? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like every time you try to yank your way out, no, nope, that's not going to get you out. It's like you have to soften and allow that state to kind of 
shift and transform on its own. And that requires so much surrender and trust. So much because I thought I had to do something about this. Like, if I don't get out of this state, if I don't, you know, push forward, if I don't get past this, and like something bad's gonna happen or whatever story I was telling myself. Mm-hmm. But it was actually only when I let go of the story that I needed to do that, that my body could actually begin to support me. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like me and my body, like we are freaking besties, man. It's as soon as it gives me the sign that like it's uncomfortable, it doesn't like that, I'm like immediately the first person to be like, what do you need? What do you yeah. mean? Yeah. Just like it were a person. Like if the if a person were walking around with me and were like, oh my God, I feel really tired and really hungry. And like, I don't feel like working right now. I feel like I need to sleep. And I cared about this person. I'd be like, go to sleep. We'll do it when you wake up. But because I wasn't actually in connection to my body and just used it as literally as if it were a machine, I was like, F what you need. Like I have other needs I need to take care of, which were mm-hmm. basically validating my own sense of self and my ego. And so my body has definitely taken spot number one. And ego doesn't even really have a table at the seat or a seat at the table anymore. I mean, I think it always has a seat, but it's like doesn't even need to really sit there, maybe. It like doesn't even come. <laughs> it doesn't even come. And I think that's been the other thing too, is like really welcoming in all the parts of us and and seeing all the parts of us as a gift. And yeah, it's interesting because I think for me, listening to my body was coming more in the form of like anxiety, I think. And my self-identity this year, I think, has really shifted. Uh, where I was really, this is from Danielle's episode where she talked about the wounded versus healed self. And I think for me personally, I my self-concept and my self-identity for so long was just only ever through the eyes of the wounded self and mm-hmm. through the eyes of my self-limitations. And and to be able to shift that and see so clearly, you know, I, I sobered up. <laughs> I sobered up. I wasn't under the influence anymore. And to be able to really, yeah, see the truth in and who I am. And also to notice that the reactions in my body to things that I was afraid of, or these internal fears that I have, um, that we all have, we're all fearful of certain things or not, again, like wanting to post something on social media and having that nervous system response. We get to listen to that. We get to say like, what are you seeing? What are you perceiving here? And I think that's what I was able to do with myself is to understand where my fears really stem from, why my self-identity was so wounded and to see what my nervous system and my body's response was to that. And then to be able to come back to the body, soothe my body, give myself what I really ultimately needed, which in my case was support. Just literal support, so much love, so much compassion. And once again, lifting that veil of shame off of it to really see what was underneath. And that really set me free a lot. Because now when I have a nervous system response to something that maybe I'm afraid to do, I'm not making that mean, like I heard that from my body, but I made that mean something completely different. Whereas now I hear that and I'm like, oh, you just think that this is, this is a threat. It's not. And I'm able to then communicate back to my body. I think that's the other thing too, is one thing to listen to your body and hear it is another thing to have the translation be like a direct translation, you know, mm. not translated through fear. This is really interesting because we're actually talking about two sides of the same coin because there are some times where your body gives you a signal and you need to listen and to respond to that. Like it's telling you, you need to do this. But then there's other times where your body's telling you something and it's actually the opposite of what you need to do. Like yes. that's So that's really interesting because you're not going to have the same response or interpretation of your body signals. What Gina's talking about is basically feeling anxiety and the body believing that there's a threat where there isn't. 
Yes. So if you actually listen to that in the way that I was talking about with the physical like cues, Mm -hmm. it wouldn't really be the same because then you would just never do anything, which is what a lot of people do. They feel anxiety and they're like, this means I'm not supposed to do it. So I'm not going to do it. That's not what that means. And if you want to listen to more about that, I think, what is it? Episode 36? What if the fear never went away? Never goes away. I think so. What if the fear never went away? That's a really good one. And also another lesson from this year is that um, every single time I tried to do anything greater than the level that I'm at, I'm going to feel that. Mm-hmm. Not because I'm not supposed to do it, not because I'm incapable or unworthy or stupid, but just because my brain's like, this looks really unfamiliar. Haven't yeah. seen anything like that. Don't have a neural pathway for that yet. And I have just learned to fall so deeply in love with the unknown because I just honestly love not knowing what's going to happen. My favorite part Ugh, about me too. my trip has actually been the stuff that's been unplanned. Like where we just kind of like wander into a place and we're like, didn't expect to go here. Or like we take a different road and we were like, wow, this is a really nice drive. It's like everything that I love so much, I could have never had an expectation around, right? Mm. Because as I, when every time I have an expectation, I limit my experience every single time. I don't allow for magic to happen. I don't allow for mystery. And those are the things that really make me feel so in awe and um, a sense of wonder at life. And so I don't, I don't want to control anything anymore. I'm okay with not knowing because I think the best things happen when there's not a full knowing. 100%. I feel like I have really come to love the gray area. I love the unknown. I love the uncertainty because you're right. That is where all the best things have happened. I didn't know you were going to come into my life. I had no idea I was going to meet my husband before I randomly met him on a street. I didn't know what my daughter was going to be like or when she would come into the world. Um, Because even in the pregnancy, the whole time, you're just wondering, what is this human going to be like? What is this person going to be like and even when they're babies you still don't know like they're they're just little blobs and to see her unfold into the person that she's becoming like that has been such a gift i wouldn't want to know what she was going to be like before you know then that's such a beautiful part of life is that there are so many surprises and i think that's something that we really teach a lot to our clients too, is to fall in love with that gray area because I think we really villainize that. And so much of our suffering and pain comes from trying to control not ever being in the gray area. And then again, we miss it. We miss the part where, you know, the universe is trying to show us what it has for us. And mm-hmm. I love surrendering to the mystery. That was a really big theme of our retreat. Mm-hmm. And actually Haley, um, Haley Hoffman's episode was also really big on, yeah, those upper limits and yes. why something that can feel really scary is just because you haven't done it before. I feel like that was a huge lesson for me. And you've reflected that to me many times of, um, it's so hard for us to sometimes shift that self-identity just because we haven't given us ourselves that many opportunities to see ourselves in that light, you know? Mm-hmm. And the only way to get there is to just start literally doing it. Um, yeah, that was a big one for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we also have completely healed, I think, the perfectionist wound. I mean, it definitely still comes up, but we just know how to deal with it a lot better now. Mm -hmm. And if you don't heal your perfectionism wound, I mean, you'll never be able to jump into the unknown, right? Because the unknown is going to require you to be honestly like a beginner in a lot of ways. Like, let's say you want to, who knows, start or shift into a new career or explore a new hobby. You're going to have to accept not being good at that. And the point shouldn't be to try to be good at that, but to experience yourself through that. And that was a huge thing for me. And when we started this podcast, because if the goal was like, I have to be a good podcast host and I have to release good podcast episodes, I probably, my brain would have never gotten to the point where I was like, I'm good enough now. Let's do that. 
Yeah. Right? I had yeah. to actually leave the paradigm of even needing to be good enough in order to start. Because if I had to stay in that paradigm, I'd be like, well, when when am I good enough? And that's the thing. That's where most people are. They're like, oh, I'm not good enough to share. Or like, I'm, I'm not smart enough to do this. Or I don't have enough to do this. And it's like, but that paradigm always begets not enoughness. Like yes. you will never get to the place in that paradigm where you're like, oh, I'm enough now. You have to leave that paradigm completely. Yes. This is actually what my book is about. You have to leave that paradigm completely to get to the place where you're like, oh, I just want to experience this and try. Because mm-hmm. only in that paradigm can you allow yourself to completely fall flat on your face or to not like it or to not like yourself while you're doing it. I don't know. But mm-hmm. you're not going to allow yourself to do that if the goal is to be fucking perfect at everything. Like you would never start. I mean, who you would? You would never start. And that's who most people. You, who I would know. start? Yeah. And that's the thing. I noticed myself holding myself back for so many things for so many years. And it was because I just wanted to be good at everything right away, which is actually so ridiculous when you think about it. <laughs> like your ego wants to be good at everything right away. Like that's ridiculous. We we love the stories of how actually hard it is for people to become good at the things that they've become good at. Like yeah. we want to hear that people actually had to work at things and try multiple times, trial and error. And so it's weird. We want to experience no lessons, no challenges, no obstacles. And so I've really fallen in love with that because I have seen how contrast and obstacles have just brought me to my greatest self mm. like so far. And it's going to keep going because I'm taking the lessons from those experiences. But if I reject those experiences, how can I grow? Absolutely. I yeah. I mean, contrast or these hard moments are really what shape us, right? They're always, I feel like they're almost like, you know, in bowling, there's like the bumpers that like you can bowl on and then the ball doesn't go into the gutter or whatever. I feel like that's what contrast is. It's just always guiding us that we bump against it. And it's kind of showing us, oh, you're going too far off this way. Um, and it's always just guiding us back. And I think one of the things that I've really embodied this year is falling in love with being a newbie and being new at something. And I think my daughter has been such a great teacher for that because, you know, she's doing a lot of new things all the time. This year specifically, she was really getting into swimming and she was, um, you know, went from being terrified to, I mean, (laughs) of course they're not good when they start, but again, what are you going to expect? And same thing for her. She's like, I don't know how to do it. And I said, that's why you're here. (laughs) Like you wouldn't be here if you, if you knew how to swim, like everyone's here to learn how to swim. Oh, I love that. And she was so scared to go into the deep end, like would not go in the deep end at all. She was crying. Um, she was so anxious. And, you know, of course, we're not going to like shove her in there, but we just kept on trying to find ways to help her to find safety. And now she's literally jumping off of diving boards that I have to like close my eyes when she jumps because I'm just like, oh my God, it's so high. But that too, like seeing the progression of her not even being able to jump off the ledge of the pool to then going to like the low diving board, then the higher one. And it just was so such a perfect journey. (laughs) Yes. It was such a perfect analogy for me to see myself. And I'm like, oh, like anything I do that's new is going to be like that. I'm going to be scared to jump in. And then once I do, I'll feel a little bit safe for in that part of the pool. Then I'll feel ready to jump off the higher diving board. And I loved watching her progression. I loved seeing how she overcame the little bit of fear and then overcame the little bit of fear. And just to see her face every time I did that was so beautiful to see. And I really made sure that she noticed. I said, look at what you did. You took something that you were afraid of. You did it. And what did it lead to? It led to expansion and joy and excitement and fun, new skills. Now she just swims around like a little fish. And I think what I'm just trying to really um, emphasize to her is that when we do things that we're 
afraid of, it can also lead to goodness because I think the tendency is to get so afraid of something because we think it's going to lead to something bad. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. Like reframing and rewiring that like fear actually equals good. Like yes. things things that are scary lead to good things, not things that are scary lead to bad results. Yes. 100%. Because yeah, I think that was a big lesson for me last year, which was actually that as soon as you start feeling fear, you know you're going the right way. Whereas yeah, like most yeah, times yeah. we feel it and we're like, oh no, I'm going the wrong way. Yes. It's like, no, that, that's the right way. That's the way towards expansion because yes. you're only feeling that because you're moving into a new level at mm-hmm. your new edge. So mm-hmm. 100%. Um, reflecting back, the mantra that kind of encapsulates leaving the paradigm of trying to be good enough to do something and then actually trying to <clears throat> enjoy yourself through it instead. Mm-hmm. And that was experiment over expectation. Ooh, that was a good one. That was a good one. That was a good one because every time we approach anything that we do, whether it be in the sphere of work or whether it be hobby-wise on a personal level, if I take the energy of this is an experiment, I don't need it to go a certain way for me to actually enjoy it. Mm -hmm. I can actually enjoy it instead of using it as a means to an end. And so having an expectation on whether it's a hobby or your business just immediately, immediately shrinks your energy. It's, Mm. It's a terrible thing to do to yourself or to your business or to your job or whatever. To have an expectation is to put pressure, is to create tension. And tension does not feel good in the body and it doesn't feel good in the mind. And so anything that I can do without tension, I realized creates best results. Mm -hmm. So it's so ironic that I am creating tension to create best results when actually the presence of tension is keeping me from quote unquote good results, whatever those may be. And actually the best result is enjoying myself. So I choose experiment over expectation. Ooh, so I have a piggyback to that. And I think one of my mantras this year has been pleasure over pressure. Because pressure is just baked into, I think, a lot of us and the way that we function. And I've just been really trying to lead with, yeah, joy. And anywhere that I've felt pressure from myself, I've tried to reframe it of how can I make this more enjoyable? How can I allow myself to actually want to do this? Because imagine if I said to my daughter, like, you have to go on the diving board. You must, and Mm -hmm. you must jump off perfectly. Like she would never want to do it. And so we're really creating so such kind of like lose-lose situations for us. And I think when you realize that, oh, I'm not even creating an environment where anyone would want to do this, right? You start to realize, okay, how can I be more inviting to myself? How can I invite myself into whatever it is that I'm doing, whether it's business or starting whatever, or a YouTube account or whatever it is, how can I introduce this in a more pleasing and pleasuring way? Just in a way that's going to en- entice me to feel more, yeah, joy and more likely to actually want to do it versus just, oh my gosh, I'm going to get all dead or I'm going to hate myself or I'm going to feel bad about myself. Um, yeah, I think I've created right. a lot of impossible, impossible scenarios for myself in a lot of ways in the past. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so... I think we've been integrating this for a while now, but I'll just reiterate this. But I think trying to get to joy makes no sense. Yes. You need to move in and with joy. And so that's what the experimentation or pleasure over pressure mantras allow us to do is to drop into the state that we think that we're going to get from the creation of results and allow the process of creating results to be the joyful part. Which essentially is the translation of journey is the best part because Mm. it never was about the destination. It never was about the outcomes. 
you can set aims and targets for sure, but the gift is always going to be how you feel and where you're going on the journey, not where you end up, what you get, um, what people think of you. It will always be, did I enjoy creating that? Did I feel like me, like you said earlier with those questions? Mm -hmm. And so I think that believing that joy or success or any of that is outside of you is again, a lack mentality and something else I remembered over and over, or I was reminded of over and over this year is every time I'm rushing, I have fallen to the level of scarcity. Mm. Someone asked me recently, like, how do you know if you're in scarcity or abundance? Um, number one, you don't ask that question. You're definitely yeah. scarcity if you're asking that question. But number two, you're rushing a hundred percent. Like if because if everything really is abundant and I have more than enough time, more than enough energy, I trust myself, I believe in what I'm mm-hmm. creating, why would I rush? Mm-hmm. Right? So if I really believe in the thing that I'm after or whatever, and I believe in my capability to do that. Why do I need to go so fast? Because if I'm rushing, I'm basically saying that if I don't get there fast enough, that might not happen. Yeah. So there, there's a level of like disconnection to your true self underneath all of that. And um, it's been a really good indicator or marker in the physical reality to, to tell me to go back inward, right? Because every mm. time I'm rushing, it's such a beautiful opportunity to meditate, which is so ironic because it feels like the exact opposite thing I want to do in that moment, which is why I have to do it. Because when I'm in the rushing, I'm in the paradigm of needing more time again, right? I need more time. I need more time instead of I need more energy. So when I need more time, I say, I don't have time to meditate. I don't have time to go on a walk. I don't have time to look inward at myself. And then I continue to create the experience of scarcity needing more time. And so if you feel like you're in a rush, the first and only thing you should be doing is stopping because mm-hmm. you're not going to feel less rushed when you get it all done. That's the mm-hmm. lie. That's the lie mm-hmm. of scarcity is that you won't feel scarce anymore when this is all complete or when you get these things. But it is a lie because whatever you gain in scarcity continues to feel like scarcity. You'll just feel like you're afraid of losing that thing or you'll feel like it's actually not enough anymore and now you need double amount of that thing. It never ends. The only way to break up with scarcity is not to try to get things to be unscarce, but is to shift out of that state of scarcity. That's the only way. And that was a huge paradigm shift for me because, I mean, I think most people are conditioned to believe that if you work hard enough and if you get the things that you want, then you will be out of lack. And lack and abundance exist independently of what you have. Yes. Like, I don't think people realize that because I've seen millionaires who are in lack who say, oh my God, I can't believe I'm not going to be able to make my bill payment this month. Like, it's an actual problem. They're in lack. Their perception is telling them that they don't have enough. And then I've met Balinese people who make $5 a day and tell me that life's great. God is Mm -hmm. good. God always Mm -hmm. makes sure I have enough. And those are completely different energetic states and they have nothing to do with how much money they have. And so I have reminded myself over and over that the way I get into abundance is not by trying to get more things because that's that's lack. Think about it. Mm -hmm. I need Mm -hmm. more. Immediately lack. Abundance will always be accessed through the appreciation and presence in the now, what you already have. And so you have to come back to the now. So that's going to look like the meditation the going inward, the walk that you take on your own. It's like, those are all the things you need to do. And it's so ironic that when you're in scarcity, you do the opposite of all of that. Mm-hmm. I think that the key thing there too is that you have to slow all the way down so you can see how fast you were going. 
I think that yeah. was a big thing for us. I had no idea how quickly I was moving or even that I was addicted to adrenaline. I was like, I feel like I'm a pretty calm person and a chill person. And it wasn't until I slowed all the way down and I was like, oh, okay, I can see. Because again, like we've used this analogy before, if you're driving, you know, 100 miles an hour, it doesn't feel like it's that fast, right? Because you're already driving at that speed. Um, but if you slow all the way down, even going, you know, 30 miles an hour is going to feel a lot faster. So I think we all have to have that baseline. Um, and I think that's what meditation offers so well is that complete stillness so we can see what speed our body's actually meant to be operating at. And then we can kind of gauge from there um, what speed to go in from. And I think even that, um, you know, I think in myself, I used to not be able to see how quickly I was going. And now, like you, you we keep saying, like we're, we can hear our body so clearly. Like I can tell when I'm starting to get too quick in my brain. Um, it's, it's very clear to me and I'm able to kind of settle that down. And um, I remember actually in the Alison Charles episode, I actually have this written down because she was talking about how she feels just as at peace when she's sitting on her patio, just like drinking a cup of coffee a really slow morning as she does when she's in creation mode working and all of that kind of stuff. And I think that's where you and I are definitely at. I feel like mm -hmm. in all of our states, whether it is in deep creation mode and we're like at the retreat or recording these episodes, or if we are just on the phone together, or if we are just sitting alone at home, you know, that sense of peace is what is the common denominator between all of those experiences. And I definitely don't think that was the case prior to this podcast. Oh, yeah. I mean, definitely not. I remember, like you said, looking back, it just feels like another, another life that you can't even imagine. But it feels like looking back on your partying days, right? Yes. Where you're like, whoa, how did I drink that much? Like, and, and you'd stay up until like four in the morning and then you yep. go to work at like nine and you were kind of okay because you were young and your nervous system was able to handle that for a short period of time before it would ultimately seek balance again. But it's like looking back on that. And if yeah. I had not begun to prioritize different things, like maybe there would have been a part of me that would have like missed that, right? Like, oh man, like I wish I could stay out late and party and drink all night like I used to. But there's like no part of me that wishes that. Yes, it's the same yeah. way with wanting to yeah. go back to that scarcity, that hustling, that like anxious, just fast energy. Like no part of me wants to go back to that. But something I will normalize for everyone is that you will have to come face to face with all of the negative perceptions or projections you have around being boring or sad. Yeah, because every single person who comes out of that state is basically terrified of being boring and or sad. I've heard it from so many people. It's like those are the two words that come up, and those were the words that came up for me. Like, I I just felt like I was so boring and so sad, and like literally, my therapist was like, "What's so bad about that?" And I'm like, "Fucking terrible, fucking terrible, being boring and sad, right?" You're an and so you don't yeah, want boring like, or sad. Yeah, I mean, I think everyone loves the idea of being like you know, life of the party right? Um, one who cracks jokes, just quick quick to be witty and funny and fast and has the most energy. First one to get there, last one to leave, right? And that was something I really identified with. And I, when I had to like kind of face the opposite, because if I'm really everything that I can't be just that, it'd have to be its opposite as well, right? Mm -hmm. And that was the shadow work is like getting really intimate with like boring, sad energy. And mm, so what's interesting is, is I started listening to boring, sad music, like <laughs> like Lana Del Rey. I think you know about this. Yes, yeah. But actually learning to love it, like 
love yeah. it. So whenever I am feeling sad now, I'll just turn on something like that. But I can see such a beauty in it. Whereas before, it was just something I rejected. Like imagine if I mm. only listen to EDM music and someone turns on Lana Del Rey, I'd think, what the heck is this? It was so boring. Yeah, right? where's the beat? But that's because, yeah, but that's because I'm only comparing it from the state that I've just been in. Exactly. Once I learned to actually like sink and like seep into that state and kind of like allow that energy to be with me, right? Instead mm-hmm. of rejecting it, I can see all the the glory in it. It's the same thing with the rain. So I've actually been under this really nice uh, the covered patio here and there've been some monsoon rainstorms. And I'm just watching and being with the rain. And I mean, you know me, I've rejected the rain much of my life. Just, I'm like, ugh, like dark, rainy, terrible. But I've learned to even see like how beautiful it is and just how, what a different energy it is. And now I'm just learning to appreciate all different manifestations of life. Not just happy and energetic and like purposeful or whatever, but also like bored and sad and weird. Like I want to experience that too, or at least my soul does. And so, yeah, you'll, you'll definitely come face to face with that if you want to heal your addiction to adrenaline and speed and moving through anxiety and fear. Yeah, you'll come, you'll slow all the way down and you'll feel bored. And you'll well, you'll come face to face with why you're going fast in the first place, right? Because yeah. you're running from something. And so Which for is you, it's sad. It is very sad. It's sad because you realize you like hated yourself. Yeah, mine yeah. was definitely just driven by like worth. It's like, well, then how will I know if I'm good at anything? And but like, how sad. will I know? Yeah, but it wasn't, I didn't resonate. I definitely resonated with the sad, um, but not so much the boring part as much. I think it was more because I feel like in a lot of ways, I like being boring and staying at home. You weren't bored, but you were concerned. I will reflect that back to you. You weren't bored, but you were you were concerned. Oh, absolutely, you were like, absolutely. I'm just reflecting that, like my my level of concern was not in the shape of necessarily worried about being boring, but more worried about um, oh, like if I'm going to be from a cancer. Yeah, exactly. I'm like I'm fine with being boring. I actually like that sometimes, but I was more like, but how am I going to get stuff done? How will I know if I'm good at things? And will I even be able to function? I thought that would mean that I would just become a potato and do literally nothing. And it's like, no, you'll have energy that's actually not in deficit. You'll actually be operating from a place where you have energy to expend. And when you are inspired and creative from that space. Oh my gosh. Like the things that are going to come out of you are going to be so different and not forceful. Cause I think before when I was in that adrenaline state, I was trying to create, like I got to create. And it was just, again, that pressure part. Um, but when you are really prioritizing the energy and taking care of yourself and you are in, um, you're in a surplus of energy, the creativity just flows out of you. And so I think for me and what I teach a lot of my clients is you will go farther, by going slower. And 100%. I think that took me very long to see. And farther doesn't mean like faster and like higher and all of those things. But the depth, I think, is what I more mean. It's like, I feel like I'm living life so much deeper than mm-hmm. I was before. I feel like before I was just like flying above the surface. And now I feel like I'm like in, inside of it. I 100% identify with that. Also, this is really interesting, but this is a great metaphor. I went snorkeling in the Gili Islands of Bali with these really awesome tortoises. But it was a really, really windy day. Like they almost were not going to take us out onto the water because the waves were pretty big. But a lot of us complained that we already paid. So they did it anyways. (laughs) Because anything for a dollar, right? Um, So they take us out there and it's like a 20-person wooden piece of plank, basically. Oh, this is the boat that you sent me a picture of. 
No, it was a different boat, actually. Oh, okay, okay. That boat was also not a good experience, but this boat was like one of those boats made out of wood. There's no okay, like yeah. metal to this boat. So it's it, there's no um there's no like shock absorption, okay? Like anytime like you go against a wave and then like slap down onto the water beneath the wave, it's like you're just literally landing onto your tailbone onto a piece of wood. So extremely chaotic, wavy ride out to the waters. And then I got into obviously the water with my little snorkel thingy. And it's obviously way calmer, but the waves are still really deep. So I just took off my snorkel thing and then just wanted to go down deeper into the ocean, um, obviously holding my breath. But as I did that, it was like such a beautiful um, metaphor for how it feels to be really grounded and embodied, Mm -hmm. right? Because when I feel really present, I feel like I'm really sitting within kind of the grounding centers of my body. I can feel myself in here. And it feels that way when you're in the ocean. Like when you're really deep down, you don't feel the ripples of the outer world. Like you don't, you just don't feel them. But then as I go up to the surface and eventually raise my head, I'm like drinking seawater. I'm like, <coughs> like I feel the waves like overcoming me. I'm, I'm just literally being swept by this energy. I have no grounding. Like I'm literally just at... the at uh, mercy of the weather. And that's how it feels when you're not present. You're just at mercy of like whatever is happening outside of you. You're just being completely slapped around instead of actually really grounding into the present moment and into your body and being, being the eye of that storm truly because anything can happen to me now and I know that I would be able to have a conscious response to it. Like, yes, there could be a trigger, but I would work through that before I responded anyways. Mm -hmm. And I don't need to respond to most of those things when I'm truly in a place of peace, right? Because if I'm already at peace, why would I want to leave peace? Mm. You know what I mean? Like, there's, Mm -hmm. there's no reason to go out there and resolve that and fix that. And so I feel like recently I've been kind of moving with my peace towards the things Mm-hmm. not trying to get peace from the things. Which honestly, if you really think about it energetically, how would that even work? Like, how would you get to peace by leaving peace? Yeah. Do you know but, what I mean? Yeah. I feel yeah, like yeah. you're literally leaving the place you want to come back to. So That's of course, always what it is. you're never yeah. there. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're never there. So I feel like I'm moving with my peace. It feels like I'm swimming underneath the water and I'm less... Um, influenced by what's going on on the outer reality, which feels like where the boat was. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I feel like the visual I'm getting is almost like, um, I feel like when you're not present and when you are just living in your head and living in your mind, it's like a plastic bag in the wind. It's just being swept up. Do you ever feel like a (laughs) a plastic plastic bag? bag. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think everyone can honestly relate to feeling like a plastic bag. That's why that song was such a hit. Yes. Because... You just are literally Lying going around. with the wind and you're not grounded and you have no direction. Like it, you're just going where the wind is going. And that doesn't you're, feel yeah. good because most people want to go and have clarity and go in the direction of their own soul, right? Mm-hmm. Their own true desires. Like to go everywhere and nowhere, that does not feel good. No. And you're so susceptible to everything around you, right? Versus I think one of my favorite meditations, I think it was a Sarah Blondin one, but it was this visual of um, a just deeply rooted tree that no matter mm. what the weather was, the tree is just, it's just chilling. It's just immovable. It's unaffected, unbothered by what's going on around. And obviously we still get triggered about certain things. But as you said, I think once we recognize those triggers, we're, we're anchored back into that root of the tree and able to come back and 
<sighs> what a beautiful gift that is. I mm-hmm. truly love this journey. I love this journey. Okay. Actually, it's so funny you just said the tree thing because in yoga yesterday, I was in tree pose and she was telling me like root to rise on your left side, which is your trunk. And then like my arms kind of like were waving because I was like trying to like gain, gain my balance. And she was like, allow the wind allow the wind. And she was literally just talking about like the imbalance. And she yes, was like, just, yes. just literally root into that left side and just allow the wind. Because I was like, uh, like whatever, like right, freaking out right. trying to get my balance. But it's like, just allow it. And then I kind of just found my balance again. And I was like, oh, so what happens when you really ground into one side? <laughs> like it's just, there's just so many obvious metaphors um, through yoga, which I feel like is a mirror for how we move through life. But mm-hmm. anyways, um, okay. Other lesson. I actually wrote stuff down for this episode. Isn't that amazing? I did too. Look at my paper. This is the first time out of Me 58 too. episodes I've Look ever written anything paper. down. Oh, the paper's so filled. I love it. Okay. So what I have written down is if you are stuck in desire, aka wanting something in the future, you are honoring your illusions more than reality. Mm. And listen, that will always hurt because you're fighting with life. Because if you want something more than you appreciate something, you're denying and rejecting life. You're literally rejecting everything that's here. And so I call that disrespecting reality. Um, mm-hmm. And I catch myself whenever I'm doing it because some, there's something about the word disrespect that kind of like puts me in my place, right? Because if you're being disrespectful, it's like, hey, like, let's look at that differently. Let's treat that person with more respect. So I think of treating the present moment with more respect because I also partly co-created it. And so even if it's something I don't like or something that I want to change, there is still gratitude and acceptance to be to be there for that moment, um, that de- that that moment deserves because it already exists. And so if it exists, it deserves to, and it then deserves my respect too. So I've learned to respect the present moment kind of at all costs. And that has what has led to so much of what I appreciate appreciating and so much of my gratitude to, to continue growing. Because if I am in every moment respecting what I have already created or what has already been created by everyone that's here, then I'm not rejecting and going against the flow of life. Mm. And so I use my appreciation and respect for the present moment, regardless of whether it looks the way that I want it to in the future, to actually fuel me and help me create those things. Because I actually can't create something new when I reject what's already been created. Mm, I like like that. It's like wanting to make a remake of something. Like you want to make something better, but you're like, I refuse to even look at the one that's already been created. But it's like, you need to make a remake. Like Like you need to accept that that's already been made. Mm-hmm. So that you can make it better. But if I'm like, mm-hmm. no, I'm just, I'm just not going to like accept that. Then you can't even make it. You can't even make it better. Like if I was like, oh, like can you make a remake of like The Lion King? No, I don't, I don't like The Lion King. I don't want to make a remake. Oh, but it's like, can you make it better though? You need, right. to, you need to accept that it exists so right. that you could make it better. Mm-hmm. I mean, Lion King arguably cannot be made better, but you know what I mean? I mean, they did do a remake of it, but it's just the live action version. But that's not going to be your life. <laughs> your life can definitely be made better. Unlike yes. the Lion King. Yes, yes. Unlike the Lion King. I love that. I mean, I more wrote down kind of fave moments that I think I kind of touched on throughout the episode already. But um, yeah, what else you got? Let's hear it. Ooh, I mean, this is... I think we've said this before, but when we seek to understand with genuine curiosity why something is the way it is instead yeah. of judging or criticizing the way it is we actually have the best chances of changing it because we're going to the origin point of the behavior not the symptoms or results of that behavior 
right? Mm. Because I think something will happen, whether it be in our personal life or professional life, and we'll judge the thing that's happening. But we never get curious about what led up to that thing happening. So our judgment of the thing blocks our ability to actually dismantle the pattern that's creating that result. And so if I actually look at the result instead as if I am a neutral scientist, right, looking at the results of a hypothesis, if a scientist is truly being neutral, which they're supposed to be according to their code of conduct, right, I would see a result. And if I wanted something different, I would just get curious and go back and change the variables. Right. But imagine if I was really mad at the results. That would just block me from being able to see how to create something different. Yeah. And so this kind of leads me to saying that you have to accept the results. Same thing with respecting your reality that kind of go right. hand in hand. Like you need to accept the results, like whatever it is. Let's say it's, I got mad or like I gained weight, right? Okay. That is, that, that is how it is. But what makes me snap? Like right. what leads to me getting angry or like what makes me want to overeat? Like, why do I not want to go to the, like, is it lack of sleep? Is it lack of nutrition? Like what unconscious beliefs are here? You can't do that part if you're constantly in judgment of the result. Mm -hmm. And so I see people kind of stuck at that outer level, right? Of like, oh, I really don't like this thing happening. And they're just rejecting it and not accepting themselves in it. But the only way to actually changing it is by being like, okay, like that is, that is literally, it already is. That is true. But what led to this? And again, I, I could never have actually been able to look at my patterns and shift them had I not begun to become curious about the results I was creating rather than judgmental of the results I had continued and kept creating. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think another way of looking at that too is kind of like, why am I judging it so hard? I think has been my journey too of like, why is it, why would it be so bad? You know, like I think when I had the fear of settling my, adrenaline and like, what if I'm not going to be able to produce enough? It's like, well, what if I don't? What would be so bad about that? And I think that unlocked a lot for me of what I was making that mean, like the meaning making of everything. So what did you make that mean? Literally that I'm not worthy. Yeah. I mean, that's like yeah, everyone, it's right? That, right. It's that I'm not going to be, yeah. Well, how will I know if I'm good or that I will ultimately not like myself and hate myself even more, which that's is so it. funny because I'm like, I already hate myself. So like, I'm afraid of hating myself more. <laughs> it's like, I already don't. Right. And so I, when I realized that I'm just not per permissioning myself to even try things because ultimately I'm going to feel bad or other people will think I'm bad, which ultimately is just me feeling bad about me. When I release that pressure of, well, even if people do think it's bad, can that be okay? Like, why can't that be okay? I think I was trying to fight with the reality that anyone would think negative things about me, but it's like, but people already do. So mm -hmm. like, I can't, Ooh, I, you, you know what I mean? Like, I can't prove that, but I'm sure there's people, I mean, we're all human. There's going to be people out there, especially on, in a public platform that maybe don't like us. And can that be okay? Like what is oh, well, so bad about yeah. that? Well, that leads me to one of my other things, which is that if you really are going to show up as your authentic self, speak both your mind and your truth, people will both love you for it yep. and hate you for it. Yep. Okay. That's the price that comes with the territory. So what's crazy is that if you don't actually heal people pleasing, you can't even be who you really are. Because 100%. being who you really are will polarize people ultimately. Mm -hmm. Like there's literally no way around it. A lot of people hated Jesus. People hated Buddha. Like yeah. people literally hated people who spread the message of love. Mm -hmm. So you just got to remember that because no matter what your intentions are, no matter how loving you are and how compassionately show up in the world, there are not, not everyone is at that state of consciousness. And so they will distort your message and that will have nothing to do with you. But at least you will get to have the beautiful 
gift of being able to be your true self in this world because I truly think that is the only path worth walking. What are you doing here if you are not showing up as who you are meant to be? Yes. And that's the saddest part of being unawakened, I think, on my own journey. Like when I look back, I can feel appreciation for everything that happened and how it led me to here. But I still do feel sad for the part of me that like didn't know who I was and who was still trying to be someone else for other people or for whatever, like the conditioned ideals inside of my mind. It breaks my heart. And to think of so many people who are still trying to make sure that everyone likes them and that everyone approves of them, I'm like, you're never going to win that game. It's a losing game. It's a losing losing game. game. It's a losing game. So. And I mean, that's the thing too, is that if you're waiting for everyone to like you and if you think people pleasing is going to get there, like it's not. Like people don't even like you when you're people pleasing, right? Exactly. Which is why you're constantly chasing because you you can never make everybody happy. So um, including yourself, especially yourself when you're not being yourself. Um, you know what's also really crazy? When you really like yourself, when you really love yourself, you actually can find something to appreciate in every single person. Because like Absolutely. you're not you're not able to project the self hate onto like other people and say that oh I hate that mm-hmm. like because if you really love everything about yourself even the ways that you show up when you're not happy or not productive like maybe your ugly sides right you can learn to appreciate that in other people and so there would actually be no reason to hate anyone and so in reality if someone hates you they hate a part of themselves and that's kind of sad and so you can just send them love and let them live their life they will ultimately come back to love at some point too so. Yeah, and that's just that's the, the journey they're on. on. Yeah, they're <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, I want to share just one of my favorite moments. And I kind of forgot we did this, but I went back and I was just kind of skip- scrubbing through different episodes. And in, I think it was episode 30 how we navigate through tough conversations. We shared oh. the story of how we met. We and did. I forgot we did, we did that. And but that, that was, was a, good a really that was a really life changing one for a lot of people because they were able to see. I mean, everything's going to happen through taking radical responsibility for yourself. Like, change is not going to happen through getting angry at somebody else. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> I don't know how long it's going to take people to realize that, but change is going to happen through conscious self reflection first of how you continue to create these situations. Yeah, and that's a really painful thing to do initially if you've never done that before. Like if you've always blamed things outside of you, taking radical responsibility is going to feel really awkward. Is going to feel almost like feel pointing unfair. the finger. Yeah. It's going to feel unfair. Yeah. But what I realized is that it wasn't actually unfair at all. It was just um, my belief that I needed someone else to change before I could change. Like I need you to say this or I need, I need you to see it this way before I can be happy and realizing, wait, no, I just need to see that situation differently for me to be happy. Mm-hmm. And then showing up with that energy, which actually is what allows the energy dynamic between us, which may be one of conflict, let's just say, allows that to shift. Yeah. Because for as long as I'm trying to fight to be the victim of the story, the one who's right, the one who needs to be proven, that energy is going to, going to continue to activate that energy in someone else. Mm-hmm. And so the only way to actually shift the dynamic between two people, if it's, let's say, a negative dynamic, is to first shift me. Yeah. Yeah. Because also what you say is going to be peppered with the energy that you're, yes. you're that you're in, the state that you're in. And so if I tell you, hey, this is how I felt and I'm pissed off, that's going to come off obviously very different than me in a grounded energy of, hey, seeking to understand, which is what we talked a lot about in that episode. Um 
And I think Dr. Kim talked about this a lot, you know, when we're trying to tell our family members, hey, like, you know, the reason why you're in pain is because of your own thoughts about it. You know, saying that with love versus saying that with judgment of you're doing it wrong, completely different delivery. And so that was another highlight that I I wrote down of Dr. Kim's episode. That was a huge one for a lot of people too. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. If people can feel your judgment, it's immediately not going to go the right way. Like just immediately. And mm-hmm. so there has to be a willingness to look at the ways that you've distorted um, what the situation. Um, and you can only do that when you're willing to be wrong, right? And I think that what we've realized through our conscious conversation that have been difficult is like, we were both wrong. It's yeah. like, oh, like we both distorted something that you said at the same time. And then you said that like the whole thing's a distortion. It can only actually happen a conflict if pe- two people are not understanding their intentions. Yeah. And as soon as we clarify what the intentions were and where the miscommunication or lines got crossed, there's no conflict anymore. Like mm-hmm. conflicts can only happen through a lack of information or misunderstanding. Yeah. 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 A lack of information or a misunderstanding. It's like, they're not actually real. Like, that's what I realized is conflicts aren't based on reality. Like, there's something being missed. Yeah. And that's why there is an alternative perception. Like, how is one person able to see the situation like this and another person able to see the situation completely differently? Information is being missed. Yeah. Right? Because if both people were to see each other's sides fully, you'd realize there's no need to fight. You'd yeah. be like, oh, we want the same things or like mm-hmm. we want similar things. And even if you don't want the same things, you would get to a place where you realize, well, maybe it's okay for both of us to want different things, right? Yeah. And I don't know. It's just so interesting because our conversations that have been difficult have revealed to us every single time that we just misunderstood something. Like it was it, never... It's always that. It's always that. It's always it was never that. like, I have a problem with Gina. I've actually never thought that in my life. But yeah. let's just say that I did think I had a problem with you. I wouldn't have actually had a problem with you. I would have had a problem with the way that I was interpreting something that you said. Yeah, and as it soon was as a mistranslation. Space, yeah, I seek to understand what you meant by that. There's no need for me to be angry anymore. And so I have to be willing to let go of my ego who was identified with that position. Mm-hmm. Right? Because imagine, I think with you, it's never really happened, but I've never been like convinced that like, I'm right and I need you to see it this way. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I I always have an air of like, oh, if I'm like angry right now, like there's definitely something I need to clarify. Like I already know that. Right. And so that was kind of the hallmark of the Conscious Conversations episode, which is that you your relationships are only going to be as conscious as you are. Ooh, um, yes. That was huge. Yes. That, that's a quote. That's a quote. <laughs> that was so good. Um, <laughs> let me see. Ooh, oh my God. The Xavier episode changed me. Dude. The best part for me personally was the shadow career. And I can apply that to anything, right? Like sometimes there's shadow friends, sometimes there's shadow tasks, right? Meaning there's things that are, that we think are what we're supposed to do, but you it's do it really, from the wounded self. Exactly. From the wounded mm-hmm. self. It's not actually you, the unlayered self, you, the true you that wants to do it. It's, it's a version of you that's trying to hide something else. And that really changed me. And also the archetypes he talked about being willing to be the villain archetype or the fool archetype. Um, and seeing that as a beautiful thing and just being okay with that. And I think it just boils down to acceptance of whatever state that you're in, whatever perceptions people have of you, and just ultimately coming back to unconditional self-love for you. Because to your point earlier, no matter what we're doing, someone could perceive that as you being bad or being the villain or hurting them, you know, especially when we're moving towards living a life that is authentic to us. 
when we're shifting out of an identity that so many people around us are used to seeing, when we start to change, it's a threat to who you are to them. And so people don't want to change that. People don't want to change who you are to them. They can feel really upset by that. They feel like it means that you judge them. There's so many different misconceptions and misunderstandings that can stem from that. And so on this journey, so many of our clients have said that it has caused some disruption in their other relationships. Um, And I mean, I know it did for me for sure, um, but being okay with that being okay that, yeah, there's going to be some people that don't agree with me. There's going to be some people that think this is bad. I mean, there's going to be some people that think I'm a bad mom and and that's okay. And also being a fool, again, going back to that newbie energy, like I'm totally fine with being newbie and falling on my face and making mistakes Mm. and looking like an idiot. That's completely fine with me. But before it was not, again, because of what what that meant to me and what I made that mean about me, um, looking like a fool means nothing about who you really are. I Literally mean, nothing. yeah, I mean, once again, perception is projection. So yep. whatever anyone is thinking that is foolish, they've just rejected the foolish parts of themselves, right? That's yes. why one of my favorite memes is that it's like the picture of the Buddha painting and he's in front of a bunch of, I guess you could call them practitioners, followers or whatever. And it just says, once I accepted I was cringe, I was set free. Like, or like once I saw the cringe in me, like I became free as in like, yeah, once I accept like all the parts of me that I see as silly or weird or dumb or stupid, whatever, once I accept that within myself, like I truly am free because if someone else doesn't accept that in me, it doesn't mean anything about me. And it really just points out in them that they haven't accepted that yet. And Mm -hmm. that was, that was me like two years ago where like, I definitely was that person, not two, three years ago. I was that person who definitely called out people for being cringe, like internally. I never said anything about it because I mean, what kind of person (laughs) leaves a negative comment? Like that's so insecure anyways. But like, let's just say like someone was doing something cringy. I'm not going to say they're doing something cringy, but like I would cringe inside hundred percent. I'd be like, oh, that's so cringy. But like that person was just like self-expressing in a new way. Like, how is that cringy? What I realized was the cringiest thing was that I was behind my phone screen calling that cringy. I'm like, I'm the cringy, not this person who's self-expressing in this way. Yeah. And so I realized too that if self-expression in whatever form is cringy, okay, then I guess I have to accept being cringy because I value self-expression and exploring the ways that I can expand my self-expression. Like, I think that that is truly here what I am here to, I'm truly here on earth to express the self through so many different mediums and mm-hmm. practices. And so for someone to think I'm a fool for expressing myself is really just showing me that they haven't given themselves permission to express themselves. I was just going to so, say that, yeah. Yeah, that judgment literally means nothing to me now. And that's why I feel that my self-expression has become so unlimited. Like this year, I even share some of my my poems and things like that because. I just thought this is this is a way that I'm expressing my energy. And if someone's not down with that, it it's a free society. You don't have to follow this page. You don't have to like this video. <laughs> like you can block me. People have power and they use that power to send you a negative comment. And I'm like, mm-hmm. that's, that's amazing. That's amazing that that's what you decided to do with your power. Wow. <laughs> that's amazing. I just, I can't, I couldn't imagine a more useless thing to do with the infinite power that you have. But that is the world that we currently live in. And hopefully raising your consciousness will, or our consciousness and the collectives will change that. 
But honestly, when you are in that frequency, like none of that, like you can't even like hear that noise. It's it really just is like background noise. It just I know you're just so, like what? so unbothered by it. It's just I don't know the mosquito that flies by. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it just is a part of the nature, a part of the world that we have to live in. But it's what are you tuned into, right? And I think the the where you and I are tuned into is all I can just see is just the beauty in things and the love and compassion in things. And that's just how I choose to view it. And let that be, let that be my view and anybody else can have their view and that's totally fine. And I think that really just comes down to true acceptance of, of yourself, mm-hmm. um, which we definitely talked quite a bit about. I mean, the Deborah episode was huge about that. Yeah. I can't believe we had her on. Like that I was a huge highlight. I've just I've just admired her for so long and I've been learning from her personally and I know you have too and just yeah to have her I don't know be seen by her was really incredible. Um I also yeah I I know I talked about Kim. I shouted out Kim Drama already who was extremely life-changing. What was I going to say about that though? I, I guess I already mentioned it. It was just a paradigm shift. <laughs> that I was just, a huge one. Yeah, Dr. Kim was great. Um Tracy Stanley Ooh. Oh my gosh. That I feel was like I was in a, a yoga nidra state during that episode. I mean, like, her I voice would... definitely brings you there. Definitely brings 100%. you there. Um, I, Divine soul. Yeah. I mean, I've definitely introduced yoga nidra to my practice almost daily. So thank God for Tracy. Um, she was such a grounding presence. Oh my God, Danielle Laporte. I can't believe that happened. That was almost this time. Wait, was no, that this time last year? February. Was it? Did we record mm-hmm. that then? Oh my gosh. That yeah, was we got to meet incredible. Danielle in person. Yes. She came to the studio and we recorded in person. And I mean, first of all, she has one of the most grounding earthly presences I was just in the say entire that. world. Yeah. I yeah. wonder if she's an earth sign because she definitely gives that like earth goddess energy. Yeah. And my nervous system immediately calmed down in her presence. Just settled. Like, yes. Remember, because we were kind of freaking out about the recording equipment being all set up. <laughs> remember that? Yes. And then she arrived and she's like, hi, ladies. And I was like, oh, hi. I know. And then I'm she really- just enveloped us in this beautiful hug. I know. And I was like, Because we were like, oh my God, I'm we're safe. so excited to meet Daniela Park. Yeah. And then she walked in and we were like, we're so excited to have this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> because she was just such a grounding, embodied presence. Yes. And you can feel when you are in the energy of someone who fucking walks what they talk. Yes. And I think that we are becoming that or are that, you know, in some respects. But to be in Danielle's energy was like, oh, this is your Again, life. Yeah, it showed the speed, right? The it speed. was like, yeah, I think when she came in, it was like, oh, like I just geared right down. And I was like, oh, I yes. thought I was going at a, you know, at a, as a, at a steady kind of slow pace. But once she came in, I was like, oh, there's more gears to go down. Mm-hmm. Um, that was such a beautiful conversation. Um who else? I mean, there were so many. I like literally wrote, started writing down the names of every single person that we had. On, I know. But they were so good. I mean, we talked about Allison Charles. Um, her power animal deck actually came into play at our last retreat, which was so beautiful. And oh my gosh, those animals were very on point for each and every one of us. Um, who else? Nick. We got to talk oh, to I Nick, just, but I don't know. I literally just looked at Nick, yeah. And Nick. But we don't need to list every single name because I yes, think honestly... Yes. There is, we don't post bad episodes, guys. Like every single episode has so much wisdom to offer. You don't need to listen to anything in order. You don't have to listen even to the whole episode or whatever. You could just literally scrub to any part of any episode. And one of our guests, whoever's on, is going to say something that's going to shift something within you. Mm -hmm. And 
that was the point of inviting them onto the podcast. That was the point of us asking the questions that we posed. We know that every single person on earth, um, not just our guests, but on earth has something to offer. And when someone shares their life experience or their practice, there's just so much to be learned from that if you're willing to be open. And one of the things that I've been really integrating this year, which sounds stupid and so obvious, but it really is just the simple fact that I don't know everything. Mm. And that allows me to constantly be learning. And that's what I love so much about being the host of this incredible podcast is that I get to be learning all of the time. And so if you feel overwhelmed sometimes that you're learning too much, remember that this is not a journey about speed again, um, but also how can you really integrate what you're learning too? So that's huge. And we release episodes weekly, which is you know, arguably too fast to be integrating a lesson from an episode immediately. So, you know, go easy on yourself, go slow. You know, now we're going to have this incredible break where we plan out. We've already started. Oh my God, we have so many incredible things we cannot wait for in season three. Yes. But now that we're going to have this holiday break, um, go back, listen to your favorite ones. And my favorite thing is when I hear listeners or clients say, I went back and I listened to X episode and girl, it hits so much deeper because Mm -hmm. your state of consciousness will impact what messages you are able to truly receive. Yeah, absolutely. And we've talked about that so many times. We'll reread the same book over and over again and it just hits completely I know. You're like, how did I not... How did I not highlight this part last time? I know. What was I thinking? And sometimes I'm like, why did I highlight this part? Yeah. <laughs> this part seems so obvious to me now. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I feel the same way. It's, it's wild when we go back to listen. I mean... I'm always kind of surprised at the things that we hear. And because and, obviously we're in the episode, right? And so when we get to go back and listen, I, I, we get to hear it from a completely different state of consciousness. And so, yeah, we hope that your holiday season is slow and at a pace that feels good to your system. I think this is definitely a season that can feel very hectic. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, that actually came up in, our, in my one-on-one call today um, because I could feel her energy and even the speed that she was talking. Um, and I just named it and she was like, whoa, I didn't, I didn't realize how fast I was going. I thought I was calm. And so just kind of to piggyback off what we were talking about earlier, um, but we were sharing about how yeah, the season can kind of do that, right? I think everybody is in this very high speed, got to buy all the presents, got to do this. There's all these parties, there's all these this. And so our invitation to you is just how slow can you go? Mm-hmm. <laughs> how slow can you go and find a pace that feels good to you? Something that's been resonating with me and so many of my followers recently is that in a culture that is going to encourage you and pressure you into finishing the year strong, I invite you into finishing soft. Mm-hmm. hmm Soft on a bed of... Because remember, everything is about releasing that tension. And so also too, like all the things that people feel like you have to do during the holidays, you really don't have to. And if they're really so fun, then why are you stressed about them? You know what I yeah. mean? Like holiday parties, holiday... If those are so fun, then why are they so stressful? Like, can you bring more joy into that? Right? Or maybe like just do a few of them cancel the other ones. Remember, Mm -hmm. more energy over time. It's more important for you to feel good um, and feel grounded and present so that you can actually enjoy the experiences you're having. Otherwise, you just look back and you're like, I don't even know what happened in the month of December. Yeah, yeah. I think this month more than ever, budget your energy. Mm -hmm. And And that's actually why we're taking this break, right? Because we want to be able to have the energy to continue bringing this conscious content um, in 2024. 2024. 
Wow. Can you believe it? I mean, I can and I can't. It's going to be a big year for us, but also for me on a personal note. So yeah, it's going to be a big year. Oh, and we actually have um, our numerology readings coming up too. I have mine. Have you already had yours? No, I haven't had mine yet, but that was an incredible episode this season too. So if you want to know what numeral year you're going into, go back and listen to the episode with um, Joy. It's called The Joy of Numerology, which is such Mm -hmm. a great pun. I love that. I know. Um, And calculate what your year is. So I'm going into a seven year in 2024 and you're going into an eight year. Yes. Yes. So oh my gosh. If you want to know more about that, go back to listen to that episode. Go back and listen to your favorites and give yourself the opportunity to see how far you have grown because I truly think one of the greatest measures of growth is how differently you perceive things. Mm, and so I love that. Go back, listen, let us know what your favorites are. If you're not already inside of the community, please join us because it is such an incredible space to be seen and witnessed with people who are like-minded. We will be hosting a December community call, I believe. So we will announce the date inside of the community. The free link to join is in the show notes. And we hope you have an incredible holiday season. We love you so much and cannot wait to see you in 2024. We love you so much. We'll see you on the other side. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this honest conversation. We hope it brought you peace, clarity, and a little bit further along your spiritual journey. If you loved this episode, it would mean the world to us if you left us a five-star rating and a review so we can bring you more conscious conversations, spiritual topics, and guests. And we lovingly invite you to join our free Spiraling Higher community by clicking the link in the show notes to continue this healing dialogue and share with us how this episode impacted you. Come on in, introduce yourself, and meet your conscious besties in a safe space for healing conversations between us and other like-minded people on their healing journey. Here's to spiraling higher.